Welcome to the Canvas Rebel Podcast, where we believe your story matters. Your viewpoint and your insights matter. In our view, there is far too much coverage of the trends that ivory tower professors and billionaire fund managers are seeing. What's the edge in hearing the billionaire consensus view over and over again? The edge comes from hearing new perspectives and new information, like from the wedding planner who's worked with hundreds of couples during the pandemic and has noticed that new couples are allocating significantly more of their wedding budgets on small details like personalized neon signs, or hearing from an accountant who's seeing how there is a huge uptick in e-commerce clients generating revenue from in-person pop-ups. Those sorts of insights are what Canvas Rebel is all about, and today, Madison is chatting with some of our content partners about trends and lessons learned. Content partners help us in so many ways from sponsoring our mission to spreading the word about the work that we do and collaborating with us on content like this. And so with no further ado, here's Madison with today's panel. Hi, everyone. My name is Madison. I am so excited to be back with another episode of our podcast talking about all things real estate and the many paths to wealth creation. So I have five extremely talented individuals here with me today. Let's dive right in with some introductions. So I'll start off. My name is LaShonda. I am a real estate agent here in the DFW area of Texas. And I like to say I specialize in helping uh, first-time home buyers accomplish their real estate goals. Um, there are a lot of people that are a little intimidated about the process yeah. and I try to make it as seamless and not as intimidating as possible, as well as, you know, being that accountability partner to kind of keep them on track. I love that. My name is Aaron Washington. I am a realtor and real estate investor in the Atlanta market. Um, we're buying as much as possible in the, in the Cobb County um, areas, but we you know, help clients all through the, uh, the metro Atlanta area overall. Right on. My name is Suzette Burkhalter. I'm a realtor in the Orlando, Florida area. I also specialize in first-time homebuyers as well as new construction. I have been in business since 2016, and it is my passion to help others, and I get to do it through real estate, which is pretty amazing. That's awesome. All right, who's next? I'll go. Um, I'm Sandra Rathy. I'm from sunny Southeast Florida, from Miami to West Palm Beach. Uh, last year, we closed 108 million in transactions, and we really run the gamut from first-time home buyers to five million dollar luxury properties. We love to help everybody, and um, the secret to our success is that we are very relational. Love that. Uh, my name is Will Morris. I run a small single family office out of no uh, Knoxville, Tennessee in Nashville, and uh, we're investing throughout the Southeast. Amazing. Well, let's jump right in. I'm sure you're all just excited to answer the first question here. What trends can we see in the world of real estate in 2023? I would love to hear each of your unique takes on this. Whoever wants to go first, by all means, chime in. I'm I'm here to listen. So I'll jump in. I'll, I'll get it started for us. Um, for us, you know, we're in South Florida. We're a little bit of a unique market because so many people relocate to where we are for the warm weather, for retirement. So for our local market, I'm going to say that we're going to continue to be pretty strong, seeing people moving in from New York, California, New Jersey. Um, we are seeing inventory increasing, which means that the days on market is also increasing. And it also means our buyers have more opportunities um, and more options to choose from. Yeah. But we're still in what I would say is a balanced market. We're not in a 
seller's market or a buyer's market, it depends on the po- the pocket. And we're going to continue to see that as we go through 2023. Wow. I'm in Orlando, so I'm more in central Florida and we're kind of seeing the same thing. We're at about four months worth of inventory on the market. We have about 8,000 houses for sale. Um, as of last month, a, a balanced market for us is about 10,000 to 12,000 homes on the market. Um, we're starting to see an uptick also. I mean, it's very season seasonality here in our market where, you know, we're usually a little bit slower around the December, January timeframe, and then we start to pick up in March. So we're definitely seeing that multiple offers are back. We're also getting a lot of people relocating here. COVID really changed, I think, everybody's yeah. world. And people want to live now where they vacation since they can work from home. So yes. things are going well here. There's really no slowdown. And yeah, our market, our market's doing well. That's yeah. Great. And I'll, I'll piggyback off of her. It's kind of the same in Texas as far as a work from home type uh, vibe. There's a lot of opportunity for first time home buyers here in Texas because uh, uh, the living is still affordable. Um <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was getting a lot of playback. Um, But it is definitely an opportunity for people to um, relocate. We've had a lot of that, like she said, with COVID and but people are really kind of staying here and um, really making a living and um, setting some some roots down. So yeah, it's kind of the trend we're seeing here. A lot of first time home buyers coming over. Good. Yeah, I would say it's a little different here in Atlanta. Um, We're definitely feeling the impact of the market change. Um, Properties are sitting longer. Um, inventory is still pretty, pretty consistent. However, you know, I play more on the buying side of properties. So it's been really good from an investment standpoint. Um, the longer the property set, the more creative people get with their um, options of financing and things of that nature. Yeah. So, I mean, the hedge funds are coming in with a ton of money here right now. Wow. Um, and from a buying perspective, you know, it's really good. But from an overall market standpoint, we are definitely feeling the impact of some of the some of the increase increases in rates. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up back off uh, Aaron there. I mean, we, we we're kind of playing the uh, multifamily space and, uh, you know, we're definitely seeing the, the cap rates uh, increasing, uh, you know, debt debt's becoming an, an issue has been, but it, it's becoming more of an issue. So the, the bid ask is still a little wide though. Uh, but it's definitely, definitely seeing some cap rates increase so that, that it, it does mean that it's a, you know, getting to be a, a better acquisition. Yeah. So the, it's no secret that the real estate market and this industry is something that is constantly changing and looks different year over year. How have you each been able to grow your business and establish wealth through the ebbs and flows of the economy and the real estate market? I'd say for me, it's it's being that the value add to my clients. Like I said, because I do specialize with first time home buyers, um, I'm able to create, you know, uh, informational documents to kind of give them like a layout of what mm. to expect throughout the process. So for me, that helps me stay top of mind um, around the Metroplex and yeah. someone that um, like the other young lady said, uh, Sandra. Uh, relational um, so that they don't have to feel, you know, not only overwhelmed with the process, but intimidated um, because I, you know, I get a lot of people that'll say like, they don't want to spend as much as they say that they can afford. Um, They really just want to kind of get in, get their feet wet. So for me, it's creating something to show them, Hey, this is attainable. If you do X, Y, and Z and just kind of giving them a a pathway to, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. For us here, um, obviously with some of the changes in the market, uh, properties are sitting a little bit longer than they would. Um, so creative finance is, is really back here in Atlanta. 
And that option of allowing a seller to give you a seller carry back and, you know, making them down payments to be able to acquire their properties um, originally kind of went away for the period of COVID up until probably a year ago, since there was so much money in the market, so many um, cash buyers and hedge funds that were buying all these properties. Um, so some of the entry um, strategies to getting into these properties have changed. And it's been really, really good for, for my specific business and anyone with businesses like similar to mine in the area. Yeah, well, um, for us, it's been uh, continuing to grow our database. Uh, we're very relational, like I mentioned. So it's staying in touch with those people, getting referrals from past clients and having repeat past clients. Those are huge for us. And then also as we've grown and gotten to be known kind of across the country, we get a lot of referrals from other agents in other states, especially the California, mm. uh, New York, New Jersey areas and Colorado. And then another couple of things that we've been doing personally, not so much with my team, but personally, um, we purchased a, a, a large investment property that we are renting in Colorado, um, in Breckenridge. So it's, again, trying to diversify within the industry that we're in. Mm. And then also, we've been doing a couple of flips here and there. Yeah, right on. Yeah, for us, we've been, uh, I'm sorry, uh, for us, we've been targeting uh, more secondary tertiary markets uh, and, and really targeting more, uh, staying away from the institutional sellers, uh, targeting more individual, um, what we call mom and pop sellers. Mm. Yeah, and all I was just going to mention is I'm super um, learning based. So I think that with every shift and every market that changes, I think it's just super important to think creatively and to be learning about different things at all times to be able to pivot and, you know, deal with whatever we're, we're going through to yeah. be able to move forward and and then just really doubling down on everything that we're doing. We're also very relationship based as well. So we yeah. are customer appreciation events and doing giveaways and just staying in front of them at all times. So when it is time or when they do hear, you know, we're still, we're still who they think about. Yeah. I love that. So the real estate industry, it sounds like from, from what I've heard, my roommate is a realtor. It's, it seems like it's a very common profession out here in Dallas. It is a very demanding job. You work really long hours. Sometimes you're out working on the weekends, showings, taking clients on tours. It, it's very demanding. And, and I want to say kudos to each of you for working <laughs> in a career that is so focused on the well-being of other people. How do you all practice self-care and take care of yourselves in a way to avoid burnout in a high demand industry? For me, I have to time block. I, I mean, that's mm -hmm. like top of the list because I'm that person that will work from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to sleep. And I've literally had to set boundaries and, yes. you know, get separate lines or phone lines or whatever, and then just keep those boundaries there. Um, but time blocking for me really helps me stay organized. That way I'll be able to curve out some time to say, okay, today I'm going to the spa or today I'm going to just have lunch by myself to just kind of decompress. So for me, just setting those boundaries is very key for me in order for me to be able to separate my personal and business and take care of myself. And that's applicable in all industries, not just mm -hmm. real estate too. I think across the board as a society, we need to set better boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> we say happy Friday. Like it's really something. And I'm like, real estate Friday. Means <laughs> it just means you're about to go do some more work this weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I would completely agree with with what she said. Um, we absolutely have to time block. And for me, I have to really plan in my personal life. I think we're all every all of us on this on this podcast are high achievers. So work is something that comes natural to us. So we really do have to plan ahead and say, okay, when is the personal stuff coming into play? We have to plan those vacations in advance. And then you know, kind of fill some spots in and reserve that for personal life. Otherwise, the work can get away from us. Um, And I really try to weave it in with work as well. So when I'm traveling somewhere, I might visit another office and learn something from them while I'm there, you know, trying to um, merge the two together a little bit at the same time so that I'm accomplishing great work things while I'm also accomplishing great personal things. So I always say I work hard and I play hard. And (laughs) and the more you can mix them together, the more successful you are in both, I think. Mm, Yeah. Well said. I think it's important to to know that burnout is an actual thing. I think it's kind of like one of those phrases and it didn't take me until last year ending up in the hospital that I was like, wow, you know, I'm not superwoman. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm all these things. And, you know, I work hard. Um, so once that happened last year for me, I realized like I really have to time block it. I really have to say, you know, on Mondays, especially if I worked all weekend, I'm dropping the kids off at, at school and then it's just me time and me time can look right. like getting my nails done or a massage or sleeping all day and just watching Netflix, you know? So um, I'm very intentional now about making sure that I have that time for myself because um, it's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. And take off that guilty feeling because sometimes you feel Ooh, guilty. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> You have to prioritize yourself. I agree with that. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's about loving what you do uh, mm. to begin with, knowing your why. Like I, I, I come from a corporate engineering background, um, wow. so I knew how what I liked about that and what I didn't like about that, right? And going into something that you have full control over what you do and when you do it and things of that nature. And my business partner is my dad. So mm-hmm. while I'm doing business, I'm doing family. So I can yeah. kind of mix of the two. Um, now it is hard to break one up, break business off of personal. Um, yeah. They yeah. always in, intermix and intertwine within real estate. And if you're an entrepreneur, however, you know it's you're always going to be doing two things at once. But um, as long as you as long as you like it, then it really doesn't become a burden in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree with Aaron again. That that's especially running a family business. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, it's 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 not just that you like it. It's uh-huh. your it is your life. You know, like I, I don't. It, it, everything's integrated to where you know if I'm traveling, uh, you know, we'll we'll plan around that. We'll 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 make you know you're there doing business, but you're also you know able to to capture a little bit of family time or whatever. Uh, and so I, I'm, you know, I, I don't really have a separation between you know, work and play or work and pleasure. It's all in one and the same uh, for me. Transitioning into a little bit of a different direction, what sets each of you apart in your niche market or in your local area? So for us, I think it's that we are, we really communicate well. And I keep saying the same word, relational. Um, We really don't look at it as a transaction. It's their people and their part of our life and we become connected with them and we understand them and what they're looking for. And if they start a 
start uh, to sell their house and they decide to change their mind and wait, that's okay. We're here for the long haul with them. We're not here for a quick sale and be done. So I think it's really understanding the client and their needs and being there for them for everything. If they need us to hold their hand because somebody passed away and that's why they're selling, then that's what we're going to do. If they need us to roll up our sleeves and help pack some boxes because they just can't do it, that's what we're going to do. So we're there for every step of the process, you know, no matter what it is that they need. That's so I agree great. 100%, uh, Sandra. Yeah. Like that relational word is, it's a thing. Um, and it has to be if you're going to be in this realm um, because people are buying and selling real estate. That is an emotional transaction for a lot of people. So um, being able to just be human in the transaction is, I feel like what sets me apart because it's not just a transaction for me. Of course, yes, I want to make money. This is how I feed my family. But I also understand that you had multiple choices and, you know, you selected me, which I appreciate. Um, But I make sure that what you need is um, communicated across, you know, everywhere, whether it's the title company, my brokerage, you know, whatever trade is involved in the process. I make sure that your needs are met, um, that you're understanding what you're doing. And if the communication is not not there, you know, from a different side of the transaction, I'm making sure to keep all those lines um, connected. Um, I've taken a disc assessment. So I've I've, uh, learned that I'm a high S. So I am the person that kind of keeps the glue together. (laughs) I mean, keeps, you know, keeps the pieces together as the glue. Um, So it's just natural to me to be that problem solver or to be the one to say, okay, this is, this is broken or this is not connected. Let me pull it back together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's what sets me apart, being able to do that and not just look at it as another commission check. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I agree with LaShonda. Um, It's, I mean, it's always people over profit. If it's not, then you're really not going to get anywhere. You know, capitalism with a conscience, whatever you want to call it, you have to, you know, keep people's best interests in mind because, first of all, real estate is the biggest investment anyone's going to make, right? Their house yeah. is typically where they're most of their money's at. It's where their emotional attachments are at. It's where they raise their family at. So yeah. all these things, you know, come into one with the real estate transaction. So you just have to make sure you keep that in perspective because it's a bigger deal to them than it will ever be to you. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to make sure, you know, you you acknowledge that. And as long as you do that and come with professionalism and consistency, I mean, I, th- I think the sky's the limit for anybody in real estate, in real estate, especially with the things that are going to happen in the future. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Agreed. <laughs> I was just <laughs> saying the same thing, but basically, you know, I think that it really comes down to as simple as being great at communicating with your clients, setting the right expectations, per- having systems in place so that, you know, you're being on top of every single part of the transaction from when they don't even have the credit that they need to buy to mm-hmm. when they closed and it's three years later, you know, or yeah. when you need to remind them to file for homestead or whatever the situation may be. Um, so, yeah, so I'm on board with uh, my other panelists here. We <laughs> love that. Yeah, and I, for us, I'll, I'll say it's just genuine relationships. I mean, we 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 really uh, focus heavy on on building genuine relationships with with investors and or other family businesses. Yeah, so important. Well, my last question before we wrap up for today. I know this wasn't on the list, but just for my own personal selfish reasons, <laughs> how can somebody who is in their early twenties prepare to buy a home for the first time? 
I would say it depends on what your end goal is. Are you looking to buy and also build wealth with it? Um, or are you buying just to, you know, have a place to call your own? So it's, it, it kind of starts there. Like, why, why do you want to buy almost like us? What's your why? Do you just want to buy to say you have a house or do you want to buy because you want to build that generational wealth for your family um, as you, you know, journey on going forward? So that's something I think. And what if you don't know? <laughs> you talk to us. That's what we're okay, here for. Okay. Don't trust Google. We'll help you figure it out. You, um, Noted. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a fan of the, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, but it's like where you buy a duplex and you kind of live in mm-hmm. one side for a minute yeah. and, and rent the other out or a quadplex. And uh, mm. I'm a big fan of that. I think that's a great way for any, you know, any person. younger yeah. person to get started. Not only are you getting a place to live, but you're also immediately starting that investor journey because, uh, you know, a house is a, House is a, is a liability, you know, in, in all honesty. So I, I know yeah. you, realtors probably going to beat me for this, but uh, it, it really is a liability unless you have, you know, income that that's paying for that. Right. Because you got the, the payments, the maintenance and all that. And so I'm a big fan of the uh, duplex and renting it out or quadplex and renting them out, whatever you can do. Uh, and then once you get that going for a year or two, then you could actually rent it all out and then use the income off of that to actually buy your first house that is wow. technically own house that's really smart yeah. i wholeheartedly agree well uh, my my perspective is always don't rush into buying a property unless you're ready like if there's uh, nothing wrong yeah. with renting this like okay. taboo don't rent you're not getting yeah. equity there's nothing wrong with renting i promise you that um and i'm probably not that different in age to you um so i would wait um find out what's right for you if you can get into some type of small multi-family house hack have someone else's rent pay for your mortgage and then just leverage that into your next property. And yeah. That's the easiest way to continue to buy properties and build a portfolio, but just, just wait until you're ready. I would say. Yeah. Sure. I feel so much societal pressure yeah. to be in a different oh. season of my life than I am. There's nothing wrong with living in an apartment and renting and having a roommate, especially when, you know, there's all these other things from navigating you know, the finances of paying off student loan debt and living in a major city. And I, I don't know. It's a I need to tell, tell everybody to I'm <laughs> on my own pace here. <laughs> right. It's a mindset. Like you definitely have to be mentally prepared for it because yeah. once you're a homeowner, it's all on you. Like you're not going to be able to call the maintenance man and say, hey, my water's not working or it's cool. not getting high. You're going to have to foot that bill. And, <laughs> you know, if you're not ready for that, then you're going to be in over your head. <laughs> No, I, I've already had to call him way too many times. So, <laughs> I think the most important thing, thing, thing that I would say, I would say for anybody kind of in that position to at least get with a lender and find out what the options are and how much money they need to save, even to get started. Even if you're not necessarily wanting to do it right away, at least have that conversation. So that yeah. you know, like, where's my credit stand? How much money do I need to have saved? And if I save a little bit more, will I save on PMI, things like that? So just educate themselves and yeah. understand what the conditions are. I have a daughter who's um, 21 years old, and she's already talking to a mortgage person so that she can plan ahead. How much do I need to save while I'm in college so that I can buy a house when I get out? assuming yeah. that she ends up in a location that she could afford a house. 
Yeah. So she may end up in New York City where she could never afford anything, nope. but at least she knows. She knows yeah. going, you know, what to be preparing for. And you can always change your path, but at least you know, you know, what the steps are along the way. That's yeah, good. that's wise. That's exactly what I was going to say that, you know, I don't think that it's ever too soon to start the process. Right. And educating yourself is key so that you can be as prepared as possible. Um, And then also to never think that maybe you're not as prepared as you think you are. You know, um, a lot of times people have a misconception that they're not ready and that there's not programs out there that can help them that they can benefit from. Um, So I think that, yeah, like um, she was saying that education is just, um, the first step really i love that google again yeah yeah <laughs> the, google, the google train right yes yeah. that is so helpful and brings me a lot of peace of mind i know that's not something i had planned on asking but it's never too early to start preparing for that and i think i have this misconception that owning a home is this huge lofty unobtainable goal when in all reality that's i'm not that far off from that i don't think but i need to wait and make sure i am fully ready for all of the responsibilities that come with being a homeowner Mm -hmm. and quite frankly at 23 right now i'm i'm not there yet but maybe we'll try again (laughs) next year (laughs) well thank you all so much for your time today this was a really eye-opening and an interesting conversation for me to learn more about each of you in your industry and i'm so excited to see what this year has in store for each of you Awesome. Thank Thank you you so much. much. Thank you so much, everyone.